This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to John, the third chapter. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed." But those who do what is true come to the light so that they may be clearly seen that their, day, that their deeds have been done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you, Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I remember as I approached my confirmation day, that my mother instructed me to tell the pastor that you want John 3.16 as your confirmation verse. This, she said, is the gospel in a nutshell. Luther called it the gospel in miniature, which is the same thing. I'm sure other mothers might have had the same idea for their kids, but I managed to beat them to it, and that was indeed my confirmation verse. Doubtless, John 3.16 is one of the best-known passages in all of Scripture, one folks can recite if they know few others. And this is not surprising, for it is a succinct statement of the good news of Jesus Christ, born of God's love. However, John 3.16 would not be possible without what is said in verse 14. John speaks of Jesus being lifted up, a phrase John uses a number of times in his gospel, and we will meet it again next week in that gospel reading. Today, John uses it as an analogy between Moses lifting up the bronze serpent to save people from poisonous snakes and Jesus being lifted up on the cross for the salvation of the world. Now, how, or here, being lifted up, here, being lifted up has a double meaning also. Lifted up on the cross and lifted up in resurrection and ascension. The suffering on the cross, the victory of the resurrection, and the glorification of the ascension to the right hand of the Father is a cluster of events that we confess in the creed as the very source and revelation of the salvation of the world. 
But what is it that happened on the cross on which Jesus was lifted up that makes his lifting up in resurrection and ascension a sign and seal of our salvation? The answer to that begins in the very heart of the life of God. But before we get to that, let's first imagine. Imagine giving up your child, as many Jews did during the Hitler era, in hope they would survive the growing threat of extermination, knowing they would doubtless never see them again. Or imagine giving up your child to be sent to the countryside, as many Britons did in World War II, in the hope that saving them from the bombing in the cities would result. Or imagine giving up your child to someone else because you are too poor or too sick to care for them, as happens to many in many places of our world. Immigration policies and the dire straits of refugees break up families. And many a parent has felt a mix of pride, fear, and loss in seeing a son or daughter off to military service in times of war. And every parent's nightmare is the loss of a child, as every grieving parent will tell you, from Sandy Hook in the east to Columbine in the west and Parkland in the south. The separation of child from parents whether chosen for good though sorrowful purpose or brought on by the onslaught of horrendous events is thoroughly heart-wrenching. All these heart-wrenching and heartbreaking events give us a sense on the finite scale of human experience of what was taking place on the cross in the life of God. The Father gave the Son gave the Son to die, gave the Son to suffer and die, both in his humanity and in his divinity. This is not some remote, impassive, divine decision made from on high, consigning the human side of Jesus to the brutality of the cross. No, when the Father gave the Son out of love for the world, that act had all the pathos of any human situation, only on a divine scale. The unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the ineffable mystery of the Trinity is a unity of love so deep and inexpressible that each lives in the other inseparable. And when the Father gave the Son out of love for the world, it tore apart the very relationship that is the life of the triune God. When Jesus cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The pain of that rupture was felt by the Christ and by the Father and by the Spirit. When the Christ died the cruel death of crucifixion, the death of the Son entered into the life of the Father and the life of the Spirit. God was grieving with all the sorrow of every inconsolable parent that has ever lost a child. As Luther once said, If only a man died on the cross, we are lost, for only God can save us. Now, God did not die in the sense of perishing, but God experienced our death in the death on the cross. This is God with us in the extreme. Christ's passion, 
is God's passion. In the passion of the Christ, God takes into the divine life the suffering of our sins and the consequences of pain and death so that they now are a part of God's life and no longer ours. This is the very basis of God's forgiveness of sins. Our sins have been taken into the life of God, into the love that gave, there to be buried forever. We live our lives trusting in the truth of this act of God's self-giving love for the world. And our text reinforces that promise in verse 17, where it says that God did not send the Son to condemn the world, but to save it. But now, our reading challenges us a bit by suggesting that while God's purpose is not to condemn, there are those who who condemn themselves by not accepting the truth of God's saving work. Is it possible that God's will can be thwarted by human will and refusal? Here God uses one of his, or here John uses one of his, fav, his favorite symbolic devices, the contrast between light and darkness. Christ is the light. Christ is the bright light of God's grace and mercy. It is the light that shines from the cross, from the love of God, risen and glorified Christ. It is the light of divine forgiveness, the light of unconditional love. It is the light of new life. And as we observed when we met John's talk of light and darkness during Advent, those in the darkness are not the sinners because we're all sinners. Those in the darkness are those who have yet to see the reality of their own brokenness in the light of the Christ. They have yet to enjoy the freedom and life that comes with forgiveness poured out without condition by the God whose love gave the only Son. It is God's purpose to save, not to condemn. And God's purpose will not be thwarted We read in John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The light of God's love is all-powerful. It will shine on and dispel all darkness, all the way to God's future. This is the judgment, that the darkness will not overcome the light. And until all darkness is dispelled, In the arrival of God's future, the children of the light have much to do. First, it is as the Eucharistic liturgy proclaims, it is our duty and our joy that we should at all times and all places give thanks and praise. Join the company of angels and the hosts of heaven in praise of God. Thanks and praise in good days and bad are always on our lips and in our hearts. For the grace and mercy showered upon us for the life-giving love of our self-giving God. We can also pray for those in need of light in their lives, as we do each Sunday as a congregation, and as we can do each day as individuals. Those we pray for may be family members, persons in prison, refugees, friends and neighbors, victims of abuse. And by our care as we are able to give it, 
we can be a source of light for those who are hurting, those who are grieving, those who need an ear to listen to their fears and doubts. We pray, we reach out, but we do not condemn. If God does not send the Son to condemn the world, neither should we. I suppose we have all heard a version of the, the sort of preaching some are given to, huh? If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will go to hell. This is not the good news. First of all, it makes salvation depend upon our decision rather than God's free grace. And we are reminded in the Ephesians reading that that is the gift of grace and no one should boast. Secondly, it is judgmental in its challenge. God has already judged the world. God did that on the cross of Christ and took that judgment upon God's own self. There is much evil afoot in the world, as we are all aware, and will remain until God's good time when Christ will come again. God does not give the Son to condemn the world, but God does condemn evil. The love of God that gave so deeply and painfully to overcome evil is now passed on to us. We are called in love to give of ourselves as a sign against the deeds of darkness. This is our baptismal heritage. In the liturgy for the affirmation of baptism, you may recall, we are asked, do you intend to continue in the covenant of God made with you in holy baptism? to live among God's faithful people, to hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ, in word and in deed, to serve all people following the example of Jesus, to strive for justice and peace in all the world. And you may respond if you wish. I do and I ask God to help and guide me. I do. Ask God to help and guide me. Amen.